Hello everyone, hope your day's going well. Um, last week in our midweek class session, uh, that would have been March 29th, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. So that's what we're going to be reviewing today. If you want to take just a little bit of time to press pause on your phone or on your player um, and read that, that would be great. And then we'll jump into it. We'll go through this kind of quickly today. I got a little long-winded last week. Um, one more time, First Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 through 13. Okay, hopefully you had the time to read that. Um, let's take a look at this. There's something in the first verse there of chapter 6 that kind of jumps out. Anytime you read wording like this, it definitely jumps out. And there's, there's multiple places in the New Testament we read wording like this. It says this, And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Um, when we read something about in vain, meaning um, doing it in meaningless you know this means nothing and you can you, you you put that in conjunction with the grace of God knowing that we are saved by God's grace through faith that uh, when it talks about the grace of God in relationship to us being in vain this should catch our attention um, there's an entire book of our New Testament written about that the book of Hebrews um, about the the Hebrew believers who were tempted to, to fall back into their Ju, Judy, Judaism uh, religion um, and because it had become illegal in in the empire of Rome to be a Christian, and the writer of Hebrews tells him, why would you ever do that? Jesus fulfilled all of that. Jesus is the the result of all of that. He fulfilled it. He brought the new covenant. Jesus is, uh, the ultimate message of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Um, why would you ever want to go back to um, the law when you have Jesus who fulfilled the law? So uh, when these sorts of things jump out at us, we really ought to be looking at it. And there were two ways in particular that someone in Corinth could fall away from God's grace. Um, the first one would be to abandon in their faith for paganism. Remember, these aren't Jews that we're dealing with here. These are Gentiles, and not just Gentiles, Gentiles who are very active at one time in, in pagan religion. Remember, Corinth was the center for worship of, of the Greek goddess Aphrodite, and um, they worshiped the this goddess in, in many, many uh, immoral ways. And uh, that was probably something that was very difficult to break away from. First Corinthians deals with it very much about about um, the the draw and and that 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 paganistic religion. I mean, goodness, they had over a thousand um, temple prostitutes employed there at the temple. It involved feasting. It involved um, sexual immorality, those sorts of things. And when 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 people within the church had grown up with that, it's hard to break those ties. So that is one way that they could walk away from their faith and abandon it. Another way would be to exchange their faith in Christ for a for a different gospel. Matter of fact, as we'll see in chapter 11, um, before we're done with this study, um, Paul makes it clear, if anyone preaches you, if even an angel preaches you a different gospel, um, do, which is no gospel at all, do not give it any credit whatsoever. We have given you, meaning the apostles, we have given you the truth in Christ. The gospel is this. Jesus came, he died, he was buried, he arose, 
Many people saw this, and by this event in history, he changed everything, and by this, we have the pathway back to God. So that is the gospel, and that is provided through the grace of God. He says, do not receive that in vain, and he urges them not to do this, makes an appeal to them to not do this. Moving on from there, um, he continues on, and we see verse 3 kind of jumps out um, when it talks about um, give no cause for offense in anything that the ministry may not be discredited. This kind of aligns quite well with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read a few verses in that for you. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in, um, in verse 31 and 32, it says this, Whatever you do, whatever then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to either Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, just as I am also of Christ. Um, so two things. He says, do not walk away from your faith, because that's detrimental. Secondly, he says, do not misrepresent the church, misrepresent Christ by your behavior. The church stands or falls by the integrity of its ministers. Um, I heard that many years ago. I could not tell you who who said that first, but it's not an original statement. It comes right out of Scripture. Um, and this is not just a challenge to quote-unquote professional ministry, professional ministers. No, everyone within the church is a servant, is a minister of Christ for people. And um, and people of the world are watching. They are watching believers closely to try to catch them, to try to give themselves yet another excuse not to come and yield themselves to the call of Jesus Christ. So from there he goes on and he talks about um, him and his fellow apostles um, and... And he talks about, in the next couple of verses, 4 and 5, the suffering that um, he and his fellow apostles have endured in in this suffering. There's general suffering. There's suffering in the form of persecution. Um, There's suffering in the form of self-discipline. Self-discipline, in other words, suffering, whether it be fasting or whether it be just um, working for the Lord. Um, These things, there's a price to these things. It's it's difficult to do some of these things, and that can be described as suffering. And Paul highlights this as evidence of his apostleship as well as his fellow apostles, but he also highlights this as providing an example that, um, that suffering in this world is is the way of the follower of Jesus. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. So Paul, again, encouraging them in that way. Um, and then he goes on, uh, and he makes a list here of 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 the way that, that he and his fellow apostles, as well as, as, well as other believers, um, the way that they take a stand and work in this world for Christ. It, it shows that the things that they have within them, purity, knowledge, patience, in the middle of these we have the Spirit. And that's kind of interesting because we know from Paul's other writings, specifically in Galatians, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, um, these are some of this terminology that's used. So this fruit of the Spirit is bestowed and, and empowered within the belief by the power of the Spirit. And then that's the first way of kind of looking at this, um, at this list, that it, it comes by and through the power of the Spirit. Secondly, it adds up to our weapons for battle. Paul makes it very clear in his writings, uh, 1 Thessalonians as well as Ephesians, that we are fighting a battle, and this battle is not against flesh and blood. Um, so we have weapons, verses 6 and 7, both for the defense, the left hand, and offense, the right hand. Um, so... We, we need to keep in mind that yet almost 2,000 years later, our battle is, is a spiritual battle um, against those 
in this world, spiritually speaking, who are attempting and working always to separate people from God. And uh, we need to be aware of that and be equipped for that battle. Um, Again, some of these things he uses here, these weapons for righteousness, purity, um, knowledge, patience, kindness, genuine love. These are the weapons that we use in this battle. Now, In the next few verses, verses 8 through 10, um, he talks about the way the apostles are viewed. They're viewed in two ways, worldly eyes and heavenly eyes. And worldly eyes see see a a totally different reality than heavenly eyes. And worldly eyes, this is the way the apostles are seen. They're they're dishonor, um, evil report, deceivers, unknown, dying, punished, sorrowful, poor, having nothing. That's the way the world views the apostles. Here's the way, though, that the heavenly eyes view the apostles. The glory, good report, they are true, uh, well-known, alive, saved from death, rejoicing, rich, possessing all things. You see, it's the, the difference of the eyes that are viewing these things makes the big difference in, in how these are viewed. And again, this is Paul just talking about him and his fellow apostles, but, but, but us as well, and how through the lens of Christ, the way this world is viewed is completely turned upside down. I mean, my goodness, look at what Jesus said. And he said to his, his, his followers many times, he told them the importance of serving. And he told them also when, how he would flip everything upside down. The first would be last and the last will be first. The greatest of those will be those who serve others. So um, that still lives its way in life um, still today. Uh, and then he kind of wraps this up talking about once again the the people in Corinth there's this continual relationship between the relationship struggles between him and the church in Corinth and it's primarily as we talked about many times before because of the pride within many and the church in Corinth and he's telling them look we gave everything he and his fellow apostles who served there for you we worked for you our behavior was exemplary when we were with you our because of our love for you and then he says we didn't restrain our love for you do not restrain your love for us verse 13 he says now in like exchange i speak as to children open wide to us also in other words it's like he's saying in almost the way that you remember maybe when you're a child speaking about this hey that's not fair in the game it needs to be fair and paul's saying look we didn't hold back in our affection for you don't hold back in your affection for us as apostles and keep in mind the reason paul brought this up again and again is because of the fact that paul and his fellow apostles they would not be separated from their message okay so an attack or a distrust of one of the apostles or of paul himself there in Corinth would lead to a distrust of his message and he just could not have that so um, again, that's what we took a look at on the 29th of March. We are now in April, so tomorrow night will be our next midweek. Um, that will be April 5th. We'll have supper at 6 o'clock, and following that, we'll have classes for all ages. And if you're going to come to to the class, to the 2 Corinthians class, we'll be looking at the rest of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the remainder of that chapter. So if you want to take a look at that before tomorrow night, that'd be great. Hope very much to see you. Uh, hopefully we'll get some rain tonight. We need it a lot. Keep praying for it. We'll see you soon.